You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, and we're going to talk all things electrical today, but we're going to be specific when it comes to the topic, and that is Article 210 Branch Circuits. Now, we're even going to break it down even further. We're going to talk about identifying a branch circuit when you might have a building that has multiple systems in the building with multiple different types of voltage levels or voltage classes. Okay, So we're going to talk about that. seems to be a source of confusion for people, but I will remind you that the same thing applies when you're dealing for feeders, there, is, there isn't any different in that concept for feeders in, in 215. So if I'm dealing with the feeder and I'm running into the application when I got more than one system in it, then that's 215.12C. Okay, So essentially the same topic, essentially the kind of the same thing, uh, but uh, we're going to stick to brand circuits today. And again, this is all about identification of the branch circuit. Of course, we know we have to identify the grounded conductor, and we know the rules there for that, okay, Uh, in in Article 200, uh, white or gray or any color other than white or gray, um, excuse me, white or gray or any color other than green with three white or gray stripes. And, of course, there's also braiding, and there's a couple other options in there as well. Uh, That's the general rule. Uh, and then, of course, the equipment ground, which is identified in accordance with 250.119, which tells you it's going to be green or it's uh, if it's insulated, green. Uh, if it's an isolated ground, green with the yellow stripe, that is also still an equipment ground, just an isolated. Uh, but it also could be bare. And in some cases, it's covered inside of a cable assembly, and it's bare, uh, but it's still considered covered. Uh, so anyway, we have those identification requirements and what we have to do with that. Um, what we want to talk about, is the uh, dealing with the ungrounded conductors, okay? And this is your hots, if you will. And there's been a long-standing myth when it comes to color coding out there. And again, I want to get some people that d- disagree with this, and that's fine. But you can't prove it, so you know it's kind of hard to disagree with something that you can't prove. It might be a gut feeling to you, but you can't prove it. Is that? And, and you might argue that it makes things safer. But I will remind you, and I haven't told you what it is yet, but I'm kind of building my case. Um, If you feel it makes it safer, then why is it not a requirement as a minimum safety standard in the National Electrical Code, and why has it routinely been shot down? What am I talking about? Color coding. Color systems. Okay, Typically, 12240 or 12208 is black, red, blue. And typically, when you're dealing with uh, 277480, it is brown, orange, yellow. I mean, that's typically what we have come to believe and, and what we understand. And in fact, it's even embedded itself into the engineering world because many of the engineers will now put this on the Division One specification uh, in their drawings and they will lead, lend everything in there that they'll tell you that's, that's pertinent to the bid process, the, the selecting of material and all this kind of stuff. Of course, it's also listed many times in Division 26, which will tell you the manufacturer, uh, voltage classes, what type of insulation, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what happens is they, they'll put a statement in there about the 122.8 is, is black, red, blue, and 277.480 is brown, orange, yellow. And, and, and it'll tell you whether or not it's a gray neutral for the one and the white for the other. 
and that's fine. But just remember, that's an engineering engineers requiring that, and you just have to follow. Uh, manufacturers of wire uh, make it in all different colors, so that's you know not too big of a deal. You can get them in any any color array you want. Uh, there is an old thing I used to tell people: if you want to know what colors are required in the code, it is green if used as an insulated conductor for an equipment ground. Obviously, for the grounded neutral conductor, it would be except for the application on a service drop when it's obviously bare. Um, but as far as the National Electrical Code is concerned, when it's a neutral or grounded conductor, um, then it would be white or gray again, or any other color other than green with three white or gray stripes. Uh, along its entire length, uh, and there's some other options in there for braiding and things like that. Or if you're four larger, you're allowed to re-identify uh, in the field. Uh, all those things are covered, but when it comes to color schemes, the only thing in the code that's a requirement for color is if you have a delta high leg system, red leg, bastard leg, whatever, 208, uh, then that would have to be, if you choose a color scheme, that has to be orange, Okay. If you don't choose a color scheme, and another approved means by the AHJ might be a labeling system, tagging system, um, might have labels that read right on it what it is. For years, we've used all black conductors, and nobody ever had a problem with it. Colors are not new. Uh, They've been around for a while now. But prior to that, if you're going to use a color system, then it would be orange. Other than that, there's absolutely nothing in the National Electrical Code pertaining to normal power circuit conductors that requires that color scheme. That's when the argument usually comes up by unionized or, 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 or educators or other that'll say yes, but it makes it much safer, Paul, if they follow the standardized colors. I'm not going to say it doesn't make it, but I'm telling you, if that was the case, those that believe that have submitted it to the National Electrical Code. And it, to this date, it does not have a required color scheme in the National Electrical Code for, for example, 12208, uh, 12240 to be black, red, blue. Uh, it does not have it in there for brown, orange, yellow for 477 or 280. So, again, it's not in there. So it's, a, it's pretty much what's become a standard practice. It's almost like the color coding on non-metallic sheath cable. Some people think that that's a code requirement for the 14-gauge to be in a white sheathing the 12 to be in a yellow sheathing, and then the 10 to be in an orange, um, it's not a requirement. It's a good identifier for the inspector. It's kind of where it went, uh, and everybody does it now. It's become uh, standardized as far as what we do as, you know, as a manufacturer in making the product, but there's absolutely no requirement for that. Okay, That's why you see NMB in all kinds of colors. Uh, for example, Encore Wire will make... Uh, A and B in blue sheathing, green sheathing, pink sheathing for breath cancer awareness, um, depending on what the company wants and, and how much they're willing to buy. Okay, it's no standardized, there's no code requirement for that, in other words. So I'm, I'm getting off topic. So back to the ungrounded conductor. Uh, whatever colors you want uh, is fine. The key with the rule in 210.5C1 that we're going to talk about is that if you make that identification, uh, you have to do it in a way that is very identifiable. Whether or not you post the markings or you have a uh, 
a certain place that all of these markings can be found and before any work's done, you have it in a maintenance office or something before any work or there's a note that says see all files and however you do it, it has to be done and we're going to look and identify what that is. So I'm going to read it, 210.5C and we're going to read item number one and we're going to deal with item one and its total volume. All right, it says, branch circuit supplying supplied from more than one nominal voltage system. So that's what we're talking about. And so the charging statement in C says, identification of ungrounded conductors. Ungrounded conductors shall be identified in accordance with 210.5C1 or 2 as applicable. Okay, well, C2 is branch circuit supplied from... DC systems, which we're not going to talk about in this episode. So the first one is obviously from a nominal voltage system, obviously an AC system. Okay. So it says, number one, C1, brand circuit supplied from more than one nominal voltage system. So I might have in a building, I might have 120 to 40 volt circuits, and I might have 120 to 8 volt circuits. Again, those still branch circuits. Uh, going out to specific utilization equipment or maybe receptacles or whatever it may be, I have them in a building. And they could come and intermingle. As long as the insulation is rated the same, and it's usually 600 volts, which is going to cover all those voltage levels, um, they could come into junction boxes or whatever. And so I have to have the ability to be able to identify it. Okay, I have to be able to, to, to understand it. And which system goes with what? So here's what the rule says. It says where the premise wiring system has brand circuit supplied from more than one nominal voltage system, as I explained, each ungrounded conductor of the branch circuit shall be identified by phase or line and by system voltage class at all termination at, at all terminal yeah at all termination connection and splice points. In compliance with 210.5C1A, which we haven't looked at yet, and B. Okay, so we're required to identify it by phase or line and by system voltage class. Okay, we have to, to and, and we can do this in, in, in a couple ways, and that's what it's talking about in C1A and C1B. Okay, but we, we kind of setting the tone here. We know that if I have two different voltage classes, okay, and I have two different phases. Uh, we're dealing with inside of the same premise that there can be a level of confusion when somebody's troubleshooting something. And the last thing that we want to do is work on something and have our have a meter, for example, that's not rated for another class of uh, maybe you have a, a branch circuit that's 480 that I'm dealing with to something and get confused and accidentally use a meter and not have the right proper PPE that I need to have or whatever. Uh, and maybe my meter is not a cat four, it's a cat three, or something happens in a fault condition and it, and it causes somebody to get hurt. We just don't need that. Okay. We want all of our electrician brothers and sisters to go to work, make their living, make the world better and go home and be with family. Right. It's no sense. Excuses. Uh, it shouldn't have any excuse for safety. It shouldn't be tolerated on a job site. Um, that's why people ask me, I'm a big believer. I don't believe in goofing around on a job site at all. Okay. All right. So you can have fun, but not at the expense of somebody else on a job site. Now let's read on a little further. Uh, so here's what's new that was added for the 2020. 
it says different systems within the same premise that have the same voltage class shall be permitted to use the same identification. Okay, so what this is saying is that if I have a system that's existing and I'm adding another system, if the other system I'm adding has the same voltage class as what's already there, then I don't have to re-identify those. I mean, I can use the same color class, okay? I can use the same identification scheme, okay? Colors and everything to describe it because it's of the same voltage class. Makes sense, right? If I have a 120-240 in a building and I'm adding a new circuit to a building, a new brand circuit for whatever reason, um, and I'm have adding it and it's 120-240, no need to identify it separately. It's the same class. It's the same that's in the building already. Okay, makes sense? So now let's look at A and B. And we're going to go with the premise that we have a 120-240 and we're introducing a 120-208 or something like that. Okay. Uh, it's probably easier to explain if we had a 12208 and we had a 277480. Uh, that's probably the easiest one to explain the difference. Um, so it says means of identification. So I know we have two different systems, uh, and we have to identify them, identify them by phase or line, and okay, and by system voltage class. Okay. Now let's talk back again a little bit about line and phase. Uh, that would be if it's phase A, phase B, phase C, that it corresponds to whatever my identification method's going to be that I make it clear. Phase A, B, C, uh, in this color, and and then identify it what voltage class it is. You know, whether it's on a placard or whatnot, that it's also identified as uh, a 12240 volt system. And then, of course, the other side of the coin at that identification, if it's a 277480, for example, we'll use that and make it simple. Um, I've got to give the voltage class for that as well, which is 277,480, the color scheme that's associated with phase A, phase B, phase C. Okay, you with me? That's the identification that we have to do. And you have to do it where? You have to do it all termination, all connection, and all splice points. Okay? All right. Now, that's again, that's when you have the two different systems or more than two different systems in a building, which can get complicated once you get to a third system in a building and you've already used the color schemes, let's say black, red, blue for 12208, brown, orange, yellow for 277480, and let's say you bring in some other 415600 or whatever it is, yes, you're going to have to use a different identifying scheme. Okay, um, Doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a color scheme. There might be another type of scheme of identifications acceptable to the AHJ, maybe labels or whatever, but you'll have to, you know, but the, we make plenty of colors uh, options for you. So th- it shouldn't be any shortage of it. The problem is that some of the uh, colors might not be as readily available. So it might be a slight delay if you want it to be all colors or just use black. And this is a one time where I might say, okay, well, I'm going to use all colors. But this one, since it's a third system, I might use black only. And then I'm going to have to phase tape it a certain way. So, I mean, just things to think about, Okay. So now let's look at to the means of identification. This is 210.5C1A. Okay, remember it said we have A, C1A, or B option here. So A says means of identification. Uh, it's not or. Actually, I'll take that back. It's not C1A or B. It's C1A and B. So you've got to do both of these. Okay. So let's read it. It says means of identification. It says the means of identification 
shall be permitted to be by separate color coding, okay, marking tag, see, I can have tags on it, uh, tagging, actually it says marking tape, I'm sorry, so separate color coding, marking tape, that's your typical 3M tape, or whatever manufactured tape, uh, color or tagging, I can have tags on it, that's allowed to, or other approved means, however, the could be shrink wrap, uh, not shrink wrap, Heat shrink, <laughs> shrink wrap, heat shrink on it, you know, that could, that could be, you know, what I say, shrink wrap? Yeah, that's probably not it. But, uh, yeah, you could use uh, heat shrink um, with, and maybe you have heat shrink with the, the wording written on it, and that's your option to do it. There you go. You got a bunch of different options here, and ultimately it lies in the hands of the approved means, which is, the AHJ, that's who makes the approval, okay? And then B, so here's the posting of it. So we've done it, we have identified it, we know that we have to identify the two different systems or more than two different systems at all termination, uh, connection, and splice points, okay? So we that's a lot, okay? Uh, again, doesn't come into play unless you have two different systems in a building. Um, and you might have two different systems, and where you have the potential for two different systems, a lot of times is at transformers and things like that, okay? All right. Okay, so it's not complicated. It just makes sense. All terminations, all splice points, all connections, it's color-coded. The, the installation's already colored, then, then you, you, you've done it. It's not a, not a hard task, just, you know. There you go, at all points. All right, but now it talks about the identification as far as posting it. So it's one thing to identify it, but it's like I tell people, you can use all the colors you want, but if nobody knows what your colors mean, then it's pointless, right? It's pointless. So posting of identification means. It says the method utilized for conductor originating within each branch circuit panel board or similar branch circuit distribution equipment shall be documented in a manner that is readily available or shall be permanently posted at each branch circuit panel board or similar branch circuit distribution equipment. It says the labels shall be of the sufficient durability to withstand the environment involved and shall not be handwritten. Okay, so in this case, um, I simply would have the circuits identified at the panel board location. Uh, and that's you know one way that I could do it. Uh, it also states that it can be in a manner that is readily available. Uh, this is widely thought of as commercial locations or industrial locations where you have a maintenance team, and they will actually keep all the documentation readily available, uh, but inside their office. Um, but I can tell you when I'm consulted on these type of things and they want to do that, I tell people, you know, not everybody follows the right rules, although they should have a procedure a protocol to follow. I tell them I would at least put an, uh, a phenolic label or something on the panel. And if you're going to go that far, you might as well put the, you know, all this information there. But if you wanted to keep it locked up, uh, I shouldn't say locked away. If you want to keep it in uh, the maintenance room, uh, in a filing cabinet or whatever, it's still readily accessible. Uh, you need to put a label on the panel that says that a warning before going into the system, uh, look at the documents located so-and-so and so-and-so about the voltage types that are in this building and the classes of voltage that are in this building, that thing, things like that. Um, I'm not going to give you advice on how to do that, how to label it, but that's kind of what I do. So the easiest thing I tell people is 
If you're going to go through all that, it's a lot of words, so it's much easier to just get the, the label made up that goes on the panel door that will actually tell you what the actual uh, phase is, line is, voltage class is of, of each system that we're dealing with. Okay, And it's so simple uh, to have it on the panel, and it just solves this purpose. It, it solves it right away. Nobody knows, has any... Any worries about what systems what? They know what colors are what. And again, it doesn't matter whether you use pink, orange, uh, pink, tan, and, and lavender. It doesn't matter. To be honest with you, people argue that it makes it unsafe. If I'm an electrician and I see those weird, to, to many people, weird colors, um, then I'm going to stop for a second and say, "Well, I don't know what voltage this is." So as long as I got a place to go to back at its origin in that branch circuit panel, that I can see that. Oh, okay. Well, that's this is what I'm dealing with. It's a 12208 system, and that's what the color scheme's all about. Phase A is pink, and phase B is tan, and you know what I'm saying. So, as long as that's identified that way, it doesn't to me. It doesn't make it any safer. Uh, but others will disagree and say it should always be black, orange. I mean, uh, black, red, blue, brown, orange, yellow. Um, and that makes it safer. That makes it safer because people are complacent and they just assume that that color scheme means something. As identified, the code doesn't differentiate that, doesn't say that. You might be used to that, but I'm an electrician who doesn't take that stuff as gospel. Just because I see something doesn't necessarily, of course, nothing takes the place of actually using a meter and checking and making sure, uh, and, and, and again, making sure you have PPE and all that good stuff on it uh, to make sure that you're not um, uh, taking a risk, uh, things like that. Um, but I really want the, the identification in all. Another thing I always tell people, if there's ever a doubt, always choose my meter uh, is always going to be the Cat 4. Okay, If in doubt, uh, go with the highest class of meter. Uh, if you're not going to, if some, for example, somebody didn't label things right and didn't follow the code, uh, this started coming around back in the, I think, the 2005 uh, and things like that. So... And that's where it started rearing its head, and it's kind of made some changes. Uh, and so that takes us to the exception to this general rule. We have an exception, and this exception was designed to save people a lot of time. And that is, if I already had an existing system in a building, it's been there, it's existed, it's already there, and I'm adding a different vaulted system to this building. The exception to 210.5c says that um, it shall be permitted to mark only the new system's voltage. The existing, the existing unidentified system shall not be required to be identified at each termination, connection, or, or splice point. That could be a nightmare, and that's what was required in 210.5C1A and B. It's not required for the existing system. However, labeling shall be required at each voltage class distribution equipment to identify that, it, that only one voltage system is been marked for the new system. The new system labels shall identify, have the words stating, and there's another label requirement here, not just the identifying that we talked about, but another label on the new system that it says, quote, other unidentified systems exist on this premise. Okay, so you have your identification of your phase or line and your identify of your voltage class at your new system, but you're going to make a, a statement that there are other, unident uh, other unidentified systems 
that exist in this building. Okay, that's the that's what you're doing. Okay, now the big change here from previous cycles, and it's not a change in 2020; it was a change in 2017, was that many people would be adding a new system to an existing building, and some authorities would literally make you have to go through and, and, and re-identify everything and, and color scheme it, and, 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 and it just becomes kind of a nightmare. Uh, most electricians would simply go phase-taping everything uh, in order to try to and, and go to every connection, but it's almost impossible to get to all those. Now, when you're installing it new, it's not impossible. I mean, you're installing it new, so you can identify things properly in accordance with 210.5C uh, and not have a problem, C1, and not have an issue. But if the existing system has this, um, and I'm thinking of a, a building that I went into as a chief inspector uh, and engineer too for the Richmond, was the Sowers plant. Now the Sowers plant is in the middle of downtown Richmond, Virginia, and it literally is a sprawling complex, and they make all the seasonings, bouillon, Duke's mayonnaise, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's so much going on in there. If I brought a new system into that building, there is absolutely no way that I could re-identify all those termination, connection, and splice points. It's just not going to happen. It's just, it's just not. So this exception was necessary because it was, it was a nightmare that was created when this first came in, and we started modifying this to be able to do that. However, again, like I said, you still got to do your new system. You still have to identify it. Okay, the existing unidentified system are not required to be identified at each termination. Okay, you with me? But the labeling shall be required at each voltage system distribution panel to identify that there's only one voltage source uh, has been marked for the for uh, for a new system. That's at both locations. Okay, and even at the new system, you have to have that. What else you have to have also in addition is the new system label. It has to say other identified systems exist on this premise, okay? So labeling, and me as an electrician, I'm going to be honest with you. Even though I know what the code says, I'm going to tell you what I would do. Uh, I would probably put that label, obviously the way the code's written, I'm going to put this label on the existing panel, uh, you know, the, the existing circuit, and I'm going to, you know, and th- that label is going to say that there is uh, um other unidentified systems exist on this premise. Uh, and I might even put a label on there that says the new system and put my color coding on it. Not required here, but I might do that. But over in the new system, I've got to put my label to meet my requirements of 210.5C1. But I also have to make a statement on there with another label that says other unidentified systems exist on this premise. Okay? That's how I'm going to address it. Okay? So again, reading the words of the exception, and again, this is going to save a lot of people some headache, especially if you're bringing a new system in, is that each system has to have a label, okay? Labeling shall be required at each voltage system, each one, their distribution equipment, to identify that only one voltage system has been marked for the new system, okay? That label. And then at the new system, you have to do that as well, but you have to have an additional label, and that says other unidentified systems exist on the premise. Okay, I hate to beat that one to death, but that's kind of the, the gist of the rule. Okay, So uh, without that exception, 
I am going to have to make those identifications in, at every connection, termination, and splice point. If there's an existing system and I bring a new system in. Under this exception, I only have to address the new system, but I do have to put labels at the old system, and I do have to put these labels at the new system, and I have to make sure it's very clear that it states that other unidentified systems exist on the premise. Okay? So, still can't get away from the requirements in uh, C1, and that is uh, the exception only addresses the existing system. The new system still has to be addressed as it normally would, and that means that you're going to put a an identifying placard or whatever that is suitable for the environment. Uh, is you know if you're going to you're going to have to do that for the new system anyway. The exception is just relaxing for existing systems, and it adds an additional labeling requirement uh, to make sure that everybody knows that there's other systems in this building that have not been identified, older systems. But you're still going to identify the new systems and everything like that, okay? All right. I beat that one to death. So hopefully you got something out of that. Uh, and that really wasn't a, you know that much of a code change, just kind of identifying how you would do that when you're dealing with 210.5C1. Hopefully you got something out of that, folks. Until next time, stay safe and God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Aber.